When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, listeners. Tim Sylvie here. Today, we're joined by our first Olympian on the show. But before we introduce her, I need to wing my way across the airwaves to YouTube extraordinaire, F1 Knowledge Powerhouse, the last lap podcast host. You know him as Tomo. It's the one, the only Tom McCluskey. How are you? I'm good. And maybe one day I will um, live out my Olympian dreams. Um, I'm hoping to get some tips today. So, uh, yeah, well, we'll yeah, see. We'll see. Have... I'm, I'm only 30, Tim. I'm only 30. I've still True. got time, okay? <laughs> what, are you, what are your Olympic dreams? What would, what would you compete in? Oh, you know what? You know what I really enjoy watching? And I'm not just saying this because of the yesterday, but actually one of my favourite Olympic sports to watch is hockey because I've never really been exposed to it from, a, from an actual on. playing point of view. I, honestly, I swear I swear on my dog's life, honestly. I, I'm, I'm being completely honest, I promise. Well, if you're swearing on your dog's life, I believe you. Oh, I'm getting a dog. Oh, yeah. good for you, man. Well, what, what, what kind? I'm getting what, what a breed? Labrador. Uh, and oh. she arrives, uh, I think in about a week. So amazing. Have you got kids, any pets dog, at the moment? Two cats could be interesting. Oh, that's yeah. risky. But yeah. you know what? Labradors, are, they're beautiful, kind, gentle dogs. So. Yeah, they're calm, aren't they? So I'm hoping that, and cause it's a girl, mm. uh, apparently they're easier to train. So we'll find out, but you know, I'm looking forward to it. Slightly nervous, terrified. In fact, <laughs> They'll be fine. What was the, what what um what motivated this decision? Is have you always wanted one? Or? Kids, the kids, they okay. wanted one. They they've been Fair nagging enough. me for ages to get a dog, and we were just like, mm-hmm. why not? Um, screw it, you know. We've we've got there's so many of us anyway. Three kids, wife, two cats. We're like, let's yes. just get. I mean, what can go wrong? <laughs> what can go wrong? Good luck with that, mate. Destroying my nice new extension, which is already destroyed because I had two floods in four days last week. So I've been underwater, literally underwater, um, like within 30 seconds i had about three or four inches of water in uh, across the whole of the downstairs of my house uh, so it's not been a great week anyway. never mind mate oh. you, 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 you'll get through it I, I, had, I had my kitchen flood um during the world cup final actually uh. um that was uh, that kind of sport that moment because i really enjoyed Messi winning that but there you go yeah yeah shame um Anyway, enough for our ramblings. <laughs> Shall I introduce today's guest? Yeah, let, let, let's, before we carry on waffling, it's yeah. about time we actually talk to someone with, who's actually interesting. You know? Yeah, let's do that. So our Olympic level guest has turned her hand to more than just racing. Hailing from Dublin, Nikki Daly has represented her country at hockey 200 times. She's an Olympian and World Cup finalist. She's niece to former F1 driver Derek Daly and yes, Connor Daly, the IndyCar driver, who has also been on this podcast, is also a relative and he's a cousin, in fact. In racing, she's been a data engineer over in the States and was instrumental in setting up Formula Female with the aim of getting more women into the industry. Not content with that, she founded Go Girls Karting to increase visibility for young girls in motorsport and not to mention racing for Carlin SX S1 X in the ESC e-scooter championship is ahead of a CV. We're here to talk about her life career thoughts and opinions. Nikki, a very, very warm welcome to the most mouth podcast. How are you? 
I'm very well. Thanks for having me. And I'm absolutely honoured to be your first Olympian. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. I mean, you know, Tom clearly aspires to be a, an Olympic hockey player himself. So this must be quite a moment for you, Tom. It re- it truly is, genuinely. <laughs> no, well, it, it, honestly, it, it's one of those sports that just outside of the Olympics, to be honest, I, I, I don't get exposed to. But during the Olympics, if I see the hockey on, I'll always, I, over anything else, I'll always stick it on. Um well, all I can say is you're still young enough because I was older than you going to my uh, first and only Olympics. So, you know, Paris is only next year. So you've got a bit to do with you if you get to that one. <laughs> I'll get on the training. Um, I, we'll, we'll sort out a training schedule for me and, and we'll get on to that. Um, but Nikki, where are you joining us from today? Yeah, no, my background is is Dublin, born and raised, but I'm actually uh, based in Cork, which is the south part of Dublin, down the very bottom. Now, presumably you were sporty as a child is is that what drew you to the world of hockey initially was it um were you one of those people that was just good at all sports or or did hockey just stand out for you in some way actually hockey was never on the radar as a kid um I didn't have any family members or sort of any exposure to it as a as a young kid in in sort of primary level education so it was it was actually, you know, playing soccer in the in the schoolyard with with the boys in my class was probably my first real introduction to sport and and probably where I realized that I I had a, a bit of a talent for it and um yeah, just loved it. And then I went and and, and started playing Gaelic football, which is our national uh, sport over here, Gaelic football. And that was sort of the the first time I got exposed to playing with a proper team, like a club team. And I think that you know, from from a young age of maybe 10, 12, I saw myself maybe pursuing Gaelic football um, long term. And, you know, there was no sort of Olympic dream from age 10 or 11. So my sporting career has kind of gone off in many different uh, tangents from from a very young age. I'm, a, I'm, just, I'm just Googling Gaelic football. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim, get yourself educated, man. Come on. Um, like So obviously that that intrigue that you had um at that early stage um why did you end up going down that hockey path instead of the kind of Gaelic football one that's a good question and um I I suppose when I went to secondary school I got introduced to to hockey and quite reluctantly I have to say um I I think I've always had a stubborn streak (laughs) and um I I wanted to go to a school that played Gaelic football and and my mom was sort of like, well, you're going to this school and they don't have Gaelic football, so you just have to play whatever they have. You know, I was never really pushed into sport as as a kid. It was never like, oh, she's going to be this or she's going to be that. And, you know, probably at, at a very young age, what I really wanted to be was a racing driver because that's obviously what I grew up around. Um, and so the, the sport that was in my secondary school was hockey. And, you know, in my stubbornness, I was very reluctant to, to try it. But very quickly I realized that actually it was it was probably the most challenging sport I'd ever played because you know you've got this tiny little ball at the end of a stick and there's so many rules to the game you know you can't kick it you can't can't touch off any part of your body um and so it it was a challenge and I think that was probably what drew me to it initially was just okay this is difficult it's taking me a bit longer to to grasp this one than I did sort of any of the other sports that I had been introduced to and um and I played it all through school uh you know represented underage at certain things and then I actually went back to Gaelic football when I left school and kind of gave up the hockey for a little bit and then decided I I I wanted to take sports seriously it kind of took me till I was sort of 20 21 to really take my sport um serious and and want to achieve something with it um and I suppose it was at that time when I was playing um you know high level football for Dublin which is inter-county football it's the highest level you can play in Gaelic football and I was starting to train with the Irish women's hockey team and it just got to a point where I had to make a decision and um, I I remember the conversation very well and 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 how I ended up sort of going that that route. Was it was it because you you wanted to break less bones in your body? I'm just I'm just looking at Gaelic <laughs> football. I I th- it is what I thought it was because I had in my mind as well the one, what's the sport? What which one? Curling. You're thinking of with the sticks. Yeah, it's like it's like hockey with no rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Gaelic football is looks a bit like sort of Aussie rules, like slightly crazy running yeah. around 
um, basically trying to kill each other. So I understand <laughs> why he went with hockey. <laughs> but but what, what were the reasons? Did you just think this this has something for me that Gaelic football doesn't offer? What was it that tipped hockey over the edge of that choice? I, honestly, it was the con- I sat down with both of the coaches, like the Dublin senior manager. I sat down with just before the summer of 2009 and, and also with the Irish coach, but, you know, same time before 2009 to make a decision, which, which way was I going to go? And honestly, I don't remember much of either of the conversations other than, um, you know, my name and the word Olympics in the same sentence. And it was the first time that I'd heard my name and the Olympics in the same sentence. And I, I sort of was like, wait, there's an opportunity or there's a possibility that, that I could become an Olympian. And I think that just the fact that hockey was an international sport and it provided that opportunity to to sort of go even further. And the Olympics to me was always something that, oh, yeah, you know, I'll never amount to that because that's for that's for different kind of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I didn't know any Olympians. I mean, we had an Olympic hero here in, in Ireland in, in the form of Sonia O'Sullivan, and she was a, a huge role model. But again, she seemed like so far away um, in what she was doing compared to to who I was or what I was doing and so I think that was you know honestly the defining factor was oh wait there's I'm go- I can go to an Olympic Games now I was a bit naive to think that I was just going to head on to you know London 2012 and it was going to be that easy um and it certainly wasn't because as you know we didn't make the Olympics until until 2020 so I mean Nikki it's it's so impressive the fact that you you know, were able to get to the top of of two different sports and have that choice at the very top. I mean, that's incredible. And we've already touched on kind of in, in the introduction, Tim touched on, you know, the uh, the family members, the people around you as you grow up who've achieved so much kind of sporting success. How much of, and I'm sure we'll get, we'll get onto those um, in a bit more detail shortly, but how much do you put down to, to nature and just something about the, the daily name versus actually nurture and, and and living with living with these people and having Connor as your cousin and, and all these different um, people around you. How, how much of it do you just think is is in you to to be able to achieve a, a, a top end in sport? I, I think honestly, you know, it's 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 interesting because everyone obviously knows my family as the daily family, right? But actually, you know my mom's side of the family is also very um and sporty and i think i get i think i get a little bit of you know what makes me as a as an athlete from both sides um because my granddad on my mom's side was a professional snooker player so he had incredible hand eye coordination and wow. so even though my my dad and derek and connor all went down sort of one path which was motorsport they wouldn't have been particularly good athletes outside of of racing so I think that I get that side of you know being an athlete and and you know that sort of uh, I don't know the skill the skill and the hand-eye coordination and that sort of thing I think that that it, it comes from a bit of both I think my my drive and my determination and and that seeking to be a professional definitely comes from you know what my dad and and Derek and Connor have achieved because they showed me that you know you can come from a small little country like Ireland you can come from you know a small family and make it to the world stage and I think that that's something that I definitely took from them and and probably inspired me from a very young age not to say that I was going to go down the same path as them but you know just showed me that you know you can do you can achieve great things it's it's amazing actually when you when you stop and think about what your family has achieved in the sporting world it is ridiculous but and we we'll come on to it in a minute because it it's just insane the 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 not just that they're good at these things but they get to the very top of it you know and and here in in Europe and in the states I didn't even know about the snooker thing. And that's another one. Um, uh, there's all sorts there. I mean, there's there's um, jet ski racing and, and various other disciplines that your family seem to have mastered. But just before we come on to the, the motorsport side of things, what was it like going to the Olympics? Everyone who takes part tends to say it was a fairly life-changing experience. What what was your take on it when you, when you got there? I think, honestly, like the Olympics is, is amazing. And I think... For, for so many athletes to get there is such a long journey. So all you can do is dream, you know, all you can do is think what it might be like and you can see videos and you can see pictures, but you're really starting to try and put yourself in that situation. Like, what would it be like for you? And so 
like that, it is a life changing experience because you get there and you're like, oh, my God, finally, you know, it only took me 12 years. But now I'm here and I'm getting to experience. It's almost like a, it doesn't feel real. It's like quite surreal. It's it's real pinch me moment, like, you know, walking around and you're seeing all these athletes that you're used to seeing on on the TV. You know, I, I walked to breakfast with Tom Daly a couple of times. Um, you know, Andy Murray was floating around a good bit as well. You know, we saw Simone Biles, um, all of all of the sprinters, the you know the athletics people. It's it's just an, it's just amazing, and I, I think because I you know we'd never been there before. We were the first ever women's Irish women's hockey team to to qualify for an Olympic Games. A lot of these athletes that we had seen probably had been there before. Even in our own t- team, Ireland, they'd been there before. So we did probably go around looking like sort of the the newbies and the, you know, um, the starstruck athletes. But it was it was just so overwhelming. Like there was just so much going on um, and just so much to take in. But it was it was incredible. And it was yeah, it was a dream come true to to finally get there. Would you say your expectations were met? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the only thing different about the fact that we went in 2020 or it was 2021 was the fact that it was during COVID. So, um, you know, a lot of people had said, oh, it's going to be a different Olympics and it's not going to be the same. And but for us, we didn't have that. We didn't know what that was like. So we didn't really have an expectation of it to be better than what it was. Maybe the only thing we didn't get to do was was go to a few more of the events. But we did get to go to the athletics finals, which, you know, in normal circumstances, you those those tickets would be like hen's teeth you know you wouldn't get near them um so we definitely yeah. got you know to to get to go and see that was beyond expectation now um let's turn our attention to racing so as we've said your family is insane so your dad vivian who sadly passed away when you when you were young was a racing driver you've got connor daly in indycar uh, Beth, Connor's mum, is an amateur world champion jet ski racer. Connor's brother, Christian, is a multiple pro world champion jet ski racer. Your uncle, Derek Daly, a man who won British F3 before taking part in 64 world championship Formula One races <laughs> before heading to the US. I mean, the list goes on. How involved were these people in your life as you were growing up? And And presumably you spent a lot of time in a racing paddock of one form or another in your formative years, which I guess has had an impact on what you've decided to do in more recent history. Yeah. God, where to start? I mean, um, like all of those people that you mentioned, you know, they're, 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 they're not just my family, but they're very close family and people that even though, you know, uh, the other dailies all live in the States, we've always, you know, retained this really close relationship with, as cousins and even with my uncle, you know, Derek's played a huge part in in my life and and my sporting career and just helping me as a person to in whatever it is I, I decide to take on. Um, but I suppose it started with, with my dad, you know, like he I grew up in Mondello Park in, in Kildare in Ireland. Every weekend we were going down, you know, he he, you know, motorsport in Ireland wasn't as professional, you know, in the sense that Formula One is. But there was certainly a, a time when I was young that the motorsport scene was taken seriously and, and very professionally. And my dad certainly took it, you know, extremely professionally and, and everything that he did, you know, he was, he had the car with all the sponsors on it and, um, you know, treated it like, um, like it was his own little formula one, I suppose. Uh, so I got, I got exposed to that from a very young age and, and just loved going down to watch him and support him. And then as I got a little bit older, you know, he'd give me a few extra jobs that I could do. And in terms of like taking the lap times, holding the pit board up, even checking the ride heights, things like that for him. Um, and so I just I, I just developed a passion from such a young age. And, you know, sadly, he passed away when I was 14. But Connor was just starting to emerge then as a as a young driver. He had just come across to Europe as like a 16 year old. And um, I remember sort of always trying to get out to, to Europe to support him and and meet up with Derek. And even if Derek couldn't be there, I was a little bit older than Connor. So even if I could just be there as a bit of a support system for him, I'd fly out to a couple of races just so we'd have a familiar face, you know, in the paddock. Um, and so it just sort of developed from there. And and today, you know, like Connor's, I'm very close to Connor as, as my cousin. He'd always try and help me out whenever I need uh, you know, I support him massively. He's he also supports me massively, and 
and yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to say. Like Christian and and Beth are incredible athletes as well, and I think, you know, growing up, Beth was again somebody who I looked up to as as a female doing these kind of wild and crazy sports that I probably saw a little bit of myself in her, um, and so it's kind of just been cool to be around that from from a very young age. Did you ever? Did you ever feel under any expectation or pressure because of this, um, you know, high sporting achievement that you were kind of surrounded by? Um, did did that ever consciously maybe play play a thought or subconsciously? Do you think because I, I guess you're you're a product of your environment, right? And when in your environment, your immediate environment, there is so much kind of uh, sporting success. I, I guess w- would that play on your mind a bit? I don't think so. Not, not really, because I think first of all, I was never really pushed into anything. Um, and so I, I think maybe because my family realized I was stubborn and my first words were, I do myself. So I was going to decide and dictate where I was going to go and what I was going to do. And, and they just supported me in whatever direction I was going to go in. Um, and I think, you know, secondly, maybe because I didn't get involved in racing, there was no direct comparison. So I kind of just forged my own sporting path through the talent that I was given thanks to my family members um but there was no real sort of expectation because I didn't you know I didn't have anyone to compare myself to really in 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 the route that I went I mean now I've started to do a little bit of racing since I've retired and I'm sure we'll get to that in in time and and again there probably is a little bit of inbuilt like oh I wonder do I have any sort of talent in this area as well <laughs> um so yeah I think no I think it's just always been sort of my own path and and I've just been lucky enough to have you know that sort of family background that has probably just inspired me and and given me the the confidence and the courage to to go on and and do it I mean thank god you've got that talent though because imagine coming into the daily household as as uh you know coming up as a teenager and you you're just not very good at sports and you you know you're just going to be a postman or I don't know a vet it's just not going to fly, is it? You'd be an outcast. It's, you've got to be a world-class athlete or you're out. <laughs> I don't know. There's just plenty of us dailies lying around and we've all found our way in, in some way, shape or form. And sure, look, isn't the room for us all anyway. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, you did start moving in racing circles. Um, you went and studied mechanical engineering, got a degree, headed to the US as a data engineer for Junkos Racing for three years in what was then Indy Lights. Um which for those that don't know is obviously the the ladder to full-blown IndyCar. How did you find that experience being exposed to the racing world on, on race weekends that I, I assume that they're shared with IndyCar. So quite a big deal out there. How did you find that experience? Incredible. Um, you know, it was, it was something that when I finished the masters in motorsport engineering and we actually didn't qualify for Rio Olympics that, that 2016 year, it, it, um it gave me a good gap in my, my sporting career to try and go and, and explore this, you know, other passion that I had, which was motorsport. And, um, and this was the perfect opportunity. And again, it was Derek who, who kind of helped me to, to get set up with Ricky and, and Junkos racing. Um, and I went over there purely just to sort of immerse myself in that environment of being an engineer and, and what it's like to work in, in a racing team. And it was it, honestly, it was such a, it was such a steep learning curve, first of all, because I hadn't too much uh, knowledge or experience of, of being at the track at this sort of level. But I think the, the biggest thing for me was I was going into an environment probably a little bit, again, lacking in confidence because I was the only female in my engineering class. I was now the only female engineer in this racing team. It was, you know, it was a little bit daunting and um, when I went over there, but I quickly, you know, got to grips with the the role and and realized that everyone in the team was actually hugely supportive and the environment was was great to actually just get stuck in and, and learn and um yeah you know getting to travel around america my office was a pit lane i know like couldn't be any cooler than that so yeah the the experience is what really sort of helped me to to progress in in other ways as well after that how how did you find that um obviously you're moving away from home I, I guess having um, done you know been an Olympian you're, you're kind of to an extent used to traveling for work um, but how did you find that leaving leaving Ireland going to the States going around you know was there any kind of 
homesickness attached to that or or were you quite comfortable um doing what was needed yeah I was quite comfortable because you know I was based in Indy so I lived with Derek and of course you know I've I've always been very close to Derek anyway so I kind of felt like I was it was home away from home um and all my cousins were there as well and and I was in this environment that I just had a huge passion for so it was it was it was just more excitement like get me over there and 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 let me get stuck in um but yeah like there was I don't know I just I just tried to take it on as as much as I could and um you know there was a lot to learn uh but I I sort of just thought if I throw myself in the deep end it's probably the best way to to learn as much as I can and your um your movement through motorsport has continued um you were you well you started formula female and go girls karting um just for those that know nothing about them, tell us exactly what they are and why they were created. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'll start probably from where I left off with my experience in, you know, with Junkos Racing. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And like I said, I was the only female in my motorsport engineering class and my mechanical engineering class. Um, and really, it was sort of that experience through my education and and the work where I was just like, why is there not more women doing this? I mean, I'm having the time of my life here. You know, like I said, the, the office is my pit lane and there's cars going 200 miles an hour past me. Every weekend is different. I love the fact that I was not the athlete in in that environment but I was part of team in a different capacity and and having this you know role where I was going to be you know responsible for helping the team to succeed it was it reminds me of being an athlete I had all this experience of being part of a team and and it was just you know there was just so much to it it was exciting it was fast-paced it was challenging um you know there was a bit of pressure involved in it but every weekend was different. And I just felt like this is a great environment to work in. Why do more women not know about this? And I suppose, you know, from my upbringing, I I realized I was fortunate enough to have that exposure from such a young age. But I also knew that there was, you know, thousands of young girls in Ireland, especially that didn't have that exposure to a sport like motorsport. And so that's where Forming a Female came from. It was initially set up to, you know, just highlight the sport highlight the other women that I'd come across in the sport since my time working in in America and I kind of I, I launched Formula Female in, in 2018 and I did it um in conjunction with a race that I did in honor of my dad which was a, a race against cancer down in Mundello Park and it was the first time that I had actually competed in a, in a racing car and so it was sort of my you know way of giving back to him or um you know also raising money for for a cancer charity as well um but also to use that platform then to try and you know expose the sport to more young girls and and women and you know that just led on to the go girls karting initiative which is a schools program that i run here in ireland um where we run it all over the country you know we visit different schools we open the sport up run stem workshops and um and take you know sort of the most talented and the and the most um sort of interested in stem to to carry them on through and give them the opportunity to to get involved in in motorsport teams or karting or you know working within a karting team in in that capacity um and so yeah it's just gone from kind of strength to strength since then that's amazing Nikki and it's like we've we've spoken to a lot of women on on this podcast actually around the around the subject of why there is such a skew um, towards males in this industry, not just on track, but behind the scenes as well. 
Um, from your experience, why do you think there is such a male kind of skew? E- even you know today in 2022, it's still a vast majority males in in the paddock and behind the the wheels of cars and, and race licenses. It's it's over 90 percent um, skewed towards males. Why do you think that is the case? Um, how do you think we've got here? I think probably traditionally it was just seen to be a man's world and, you know, it was never really sort of given the opportunity for girls to get involved in it. So, you know, from a very young age, if you think about it, you know, if you're a boy or a girl, you might hand the boy the car and you might hand the girl the doll. And and so you sort of create these perceptions and these um you know these ideas from a very young age where okay well cars aren't for girls and you know dolls aren't for boys and and I think that it's just a tradition and it's just a you know traditionally something that's that's been there for a long time and um you know I think it's great to see that it's all changing now not just in motorsport but in in sport in general you can see there's there's this push for equality across all women's sports and you know it's it's funny because I it's like I'm involved in motorsport on one side and you can see there's such a, a gap, you know, and then the other side of me is hockey where it's completely balanced in terms of, you know, representation and uh, participation. It's like completely split down the middle, 50% male, 50% female. So it's really interesting to be involved in two different sports where the gender gap is is so different. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just probably it's traditionally that, um, you know, it's never been seen to be a sport that, that women can be involved in and thankfully that is not the case today and it's everything's changing yeah it it's definitely is changing and and like tom says this it's a subject we've discussed at length with with lots of different people men and women on on this show and um hello tiff if you're listening i know um last time we we talked about this subject with um jess mcfadden and uh chris medland um tiff nadell um ha- had some quite strong opinions about it which is com- completely fair and um i think there's you know there's a lot of there's two sides to every argument isn't there and you know there's the question of is motorsport doing enough for women uh participation in motorsport some think it is some think it isn't um for, for you do you think motorsport is doing enough for uh women we we have things like the f1 academy w series um more than equal campaign which coultard and kate bevan are involved with is there an obligation for motorsport to do more or to your point does it come back to parents and upbringing and, and not following those uh status quo i think it's a bit of both really um you know i think like you know you've mentioned all of the the initiatives that have been out there over the last few years and I think it's it's such a, a big gap that you're trying to close that it's not going to be something that's going to happen overnight and it is going to be take time. And and I think that, you know, we've we've seen through the different initiatives, you know, we've learned different things and what's happened and, and where we are and and where to move next. And I think that, you know, from the W series, we definitely got that exposure of, of the women in the sport and exposure to to even know who who these women racing drivers are. I think that it also probably highlighted that there is still a um you know a talent gap there in terms of you know moving women on to the next level and um you know now you've got the F1 academy which seems to be more focused on maybe younger drivers and and getting them in, into um subsidized uh race seats so it'll be interesting to see how that goes i'm also really keen to to follow closely the 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 more than equal campaign and um you know, I, I think that what they're doing in terms of doing a lot of research on, on what's already out there and what we've learned so far is a really good place to start because, you know, there's no point in just continuing to, to create things without any sort of knowledge or or learning from, from past experiences. Um, I think as well, like, you know, where I'm focused on with what I'm doing is, again, I kind of always bring it back to hockey because it's, it's the sport I know. But if I look at why Holland are always the most successful team and and why they've been so dominant. Um, It's because they've had this funnel of talent that just, you know, that just keeps coming because the amount of girls that play hockey on, you know, that base level of the pyramid is, is, is so high. So the talent can just continue to funnel to the top and they can just continue to create, create this, you know, dominant team. Um, 
And if you look, compare that to Ireland, we don't have it as a number one sport in our country. We've got such a small pool of talent, so it's always going to be harder for us to compete at the highest levels. And I think when you look at, at women drivers compared to men, the pool of talent is still so small. So I think being able to grow the base of that pyramid, getting more women, girls, young girls into the sport from a very young age, um, then hopefully that talent will be able to funnel to the top and we'll start to see, you know, that talent getting better and better and better and, and more competitive. Um, I think like, you know, motorsport is such a hard, Formula One is such a hard one to to even be successful in because it's just 20 seats, you know? So like you're, you're trying to compete against, you know, even men, they're trying to compete again for these 20 seats. When you've got such a few number of women competing to, for those 20 seats, it's just so hard to make it happen. Um, so I think that, you know, growing the, the base of the pyramid, just getting more girls into the sport from a very young age um, will definitely help. But it's going to take time. You know, it's going to take a long time for you to see that sort of that that talent come through. Yeah, like like you say, it's kind of it's attitude changes at kind of a grassroots. But also I say this, even if you tick every you know privilege box there is the likelihood of you getting to F1 is still incredibly unlikely. Then when you add all these additional barriers, whether again, they're kind of societal or financial or, you know, just having, you know, parents who are prepared to support you in, in early, you know, in, in early carts, it's uh it, it's, it's a multifaceted um, discussion that has no clear answer that, that it, you know, there's so many different things that could contribute towards it. And that's why I think it's a discussion that needs to happen because I think people look for a very simple um, answer when I don't think there is a simple answer to this. No, I don't think so. And, and like that, I think you're trying to change something that's been there for a very long time um, or like perception or, you know, just the, the culture that's been there for such a long time. So it's not, it, it you know, I think you know, it goes back to what you were saying, Tim, like, is it um, down to the families? Is it down to motorsport? It's it's everyone. It's everyone just trying to, 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 to change that perception and just make it seem like it's a, that it is an equal sport. And, and that's the great thing about motorsport. It is equal men and women can race together and um, we just need more women to, to be involved in it. And like that, whatever we can do to, to sort of, you know, close that gap and, and promote that the sport for women Um you know that's it's going to take time but i think that it's going to be so important now talking of uh sports that men and women compete in together there is one more completely bonkers sport almost as bonkers as gaelic football um the e-scooter championship which if, if you haven't watched it is is terrifying I, i'd imagine <laughs> as as someone riding one of those things that go upwards of 100 kilometers per hour around that tight twisty circuit next to other people trying to outdo you it must be terrifying um nikki can you just explain what is the e-scooter championship um you're racing in it for carlin um and, and what an experience that must be yeah it's been it's been incredible uh again another you know string to my bow and something different and, and like i said i always wanted to race from a very young age so i uh, didn't think it'd be on two wheels but sure look you've you know it's an opportunity and it's definitely been one that I've thoroughly enjoyed. Like it's been incredible, but the e-scooter championship is a brand new, um, like micro mobility, um, form of racing. Uh, so they're trying to promote micro mobility, sustainability, um, and they're racing on the city streets in different cities all around Europe and hopefully the rest of the world, uh, this year. Um, and yeah, I, I, I suppose I, I got into it, uh, through friends of mine from navigate partners who I'm sure, you know, Naomi yep. Um, who introduced me to the ESE championship and honestly from from the moment they introduced me to it I was like oh my god I would love to try this this sounds so cool probably have a high chance of killing myself but sure look <laughs> give it a go and see how I get on um, and yeah that that it was actually sort of this time last year that I got introduced to it and um, probably didn't expect to, to to get as far as I did with it um, but yeah like I like I said, I, I love a challenge and, um, you know, I suppose the little bit of what we mentioned earlier about my family and those expectations, like I kind of knew I was going to have to really try and, you know, succeed at this or, or else it was going to look bad on me. Um, and thankfully I, I turned out not to be too bad. So that's, that's the good thing. That's amazing. Like I, I saw, oh, when was it, when it, when it first launched, I remember seeing it and I was like, 
oh wow like scooters have come full circle because i remember when when, when i was at school like having my little scooter it was like so uncool and now like yeah scooters are like cool now it's like everyone's riding a scooter yeah. about i don't know if it's um who's it what lime the lime scooters you go to i went to like lisbon with my wife like last year or year before that and they're just scooters everywhere people love them there these days like it's it's definitely what what is kind of the what is the aim with this because it's an, an electric scooter so it's a, another electrified form of of motorsport um you know what is the kind of aim for the series do you do you, do you see the ceiling being quite higher for that and and what what is the series kind of competing with I guess as well because it's quite unique um yeah it is unique I mean it's the first time there's ever been a an electric scooter championship um so who they're competing with I suppose it's it's a little bit like Formula E and what they're trying to do um in terms of like you know bringing it the uh, electrification and sustainability to the cities um and like in terms of you know they have they want to be able to try and advance this to introduce a grassroots program so that they can get more kids involved from a young age um i know that in the beginning say last year the the goal was to create this really diverse group of riders so that it's not seen to be just a motorsport you know they want to be seen as sort of a, a racing series and a micro mobility series um and so we've had riders from all different walks of life i mean different olympians from different sports you know you've had the the motorbike racers freestyle scooter riders um bmx bikers downhill skiers all this sort of thing so they want to try and um you know be that sport that people from all different sporting backgrounds can can look up to and feel like this is something that they can they can be involved in um so yeah it's been it's been exciting so far did have a, um, another question actually around your um, your Olympic um, legacy and your because um, I've noticed I know Tom Stallard who's McLaren he he was uh, used to be Olympic rower right um, are you are you aware of um, many other people within the kind of motorsport world who are kind of ex Olympians who have you know moved over to motorsport because I feel like I've heard of a few more as well I can't think of names but I feel like it's not a common thing but it's a path that's been trodden before in terms of taking that approach that's required to become an Olympian and that I guess mentality and and that you know that drive and then apply it to motorsport yeah you know I I feel like I do know somebody and I just it's not coming to me at the minute but um I mean, I, I know that there's been sports people, I don't know if they're necessarily Olympians, that have gotten into motorsport in, in different ways. Um, I mean, I was watching the Daytona 500 just, you know, last weekend because Connor was racing in it, but and he was racing for Floyd Mayweather, his team. Um, and, you know, Michael Jordan has a team, I think, in, in NASCAR. So there's obviously some sort of, you know, interest there between being a sports person at, in a different sport and and motorsport. But I'm not I'm not too aware of any Olympians that are you know specifically connected with with motorsport teams so maybe something to look into. Now you're clearly very good at a lot of things but what are you completely shit at? Is there anything you're absolutely crap at? Funny enough multitasking. <laughs> like what? genuinely like terrible at multitasking. Ask anyone like if I'm I'm in the middle of doing something you ask me a question I I can't I can't I can't do two things at once which is quite strange considering it's all I ever tried to do is many different things <laughs> yeah that is it's hard to believe you know with all, all the things that you've got going on all the all the plates that you're spinning and the sports that you take part in that require serious quick brain power and quick thinking it's slightly concerning that you're you're yeah. useless at multitasking maybe it's it's just as something that it switches on once I get into that you know into that mode but definitely in my day-to-day ask any of my family members or or my partner and they'll tell you that I'm brutal (laughs) (laughs) and then in terms of the uh to in terms of the Formula One do you follow it um that kind of keenly and and if so what are your kind of do you have much expectations around 2023 like predictions wise um yeah no I do follow it I I suppose my driver that I, I've, I've liked for a very long time would be Sergio Perez. Um, and I know it's, it's difficult for him in, in, in the role he's in and, and his, with the teammate he has to, to sort of see him maybe, you know, go on and, and win the championship. But 
I always just like to see him sort of maybe push Max a little bit if he can um, and, and do as, as well as he can. But yeah, like I, I like to follow it. I, I'm not, you know, I don't have any huge expectations or, or predictions or things that I really want to see happen. Um, I suppose I'd like to just see, it's like watching a, a soccer game. You know, you want to see a good game. I want to see a good championship next year and I don't really care who the drivers are that are involved, but you always like to see it close. You know, you like to see a little bit of argy-bargy in there as well and and uh, a little bit of the dynamics between the team team managers is always good to see. So yeah. a bit of yeah. drama, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to survive in a few days, actually. I know. Yeah. Exciting. <laughs> Exciting. Um, actually, Interestingly, the, the drive to survive audience is is dropping. If you look at the data, it's uh, it's since really? the, yeah since the first season it was like 130 million people or something watched it, and it's down to in season four something like 70 million. Um, oh, so they're all pros now at this stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, it's maybe uh, it's because I think I Netflix know. viewers have dropped generally as well over yeah. that time. So maybe that's part of it as well. Well, I, I feel like there's been a lot of criticism around it as well due to the mm. fact that it's been a bit too dramatized and taken away from the fact that maybe it's not as you know realistic as as what has gone on um yeah and maybe hopefully those those viewers that aren't watching it anymore are just watching formula one live instead and not waiting for the the season review to come out as in the form of a netflix series yeah I mean, there was there was a clip that Lando Norris posted on his channel the other day um, about uh, where they were they were reviewing pieces of Drive to Survive, and there was a, there was an on track clip of um, him relatively close to Daniel, but not massively close. And the radio was something like, "Oh, he's pushing me off the track," or something like that. And he was like, "That's from a completely different race." And yeah. that, the, the two, yeah. they've just patched the two together for dramatic effect, mm-hmm. um, which is going to annoy people after a little while. You know, people are going to get unhappy with that sort of thing. Um, yeah, exactly. But it still makes for entertaining viewing, nonetheless, and, and, and drags in the new fans, which is a good thing for uh, for everybody. Um, now, uh, we'll move on to our final three. We ask the same three questions to all of our guests and throws up a myriad of different answers. Tom, do you want to kick off this week? Sure. Um, Nikki, what's got you most excited at the moment, be that in your work life or personal life or, or, or whatever? Yeah, there's a few things actually. I'm I'm sort of working on a couple of projects around my Go Girls program and um, hopefully trying to run a few of these events um, outside of Ireland. So trying to expand a little bit. There's been a lot of interest around it. So that's exciting. Um, and I think just the fact that the Formula One and the IndyCar season is right around the corner and that will sort my weekends out now for the next, whatever, six, eight months. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of got me excited at the minute. Yeah. Um, how much of your success do you put down to luck and right place, right time, and how much do you put down to downright hard work? I think honestly, it, it has to come down to probably hard work. I don't think anything that I've that's maybe helped me be successful has come down to luck purely because you know it's been such a long journey. If I look at my sporting um, career, you know. Like I said, 2009 was the first time I heard about my name and uh, the Olympics in the same sentence. And it took sort of 10 years to even longer to actually make that happen. So, you know, it's been a journey. I think that, you know, success comes from all of that hard work, all of that commitment, that, you know, dedication, determination. Um, so I would say that and it's it's similar with, you know, my my motorsport interests as well. You know, I had to study for five years to do engineering, go on to a master's before I even got an opportunity to to start working in it. So it's just been a culmination of all that those years um, of hard work. Definitely. That's kind of led to, to where I am today. And and honestly, I think I wouldn't have I wouldn't be as well equipped if I hadn't gone through that journey, both, you know, in, in motorsport and in in hockey. It's definitely I've learned a huge amount about the sport, about myself um how you deal with challenges how you approach things how you communicate with people it's it's yeah it's been it's been a huge um learning journey and i think that that's what i would put all of my success into really yeah i guess hockey and motorsport seem very different on the face of it but there's a lot of transferable skills there i guess that you 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 might take for granted from the outside looking in um final question though nikki um what are you scared of Oh, that's a good question. Um, I suppose there's a few things. I mean, I suppose I've, I've always been scared of not being good enough or, you know, um, I've also been scared of the fact of 
say death or losing people more so not so much about myself dying but more scared of of losing you know important people in your life um you know because that that happens to change life in a, in a very big way so i'd say they're probably the two two biggest ones for me yeah yeah, yeah very good well listen nikki it's been a pleasure having you on um an amazing story what an amazing career and an incredible family as well um we wish you all the best with your uh, go girls karting um and formula female exploits um and um, I'm sure there'll be collaborations in the future with some of the other um, entities out there who are trying to increase women's particip- participation in motorsport behind the wheel and in the factory. Um, for now, thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you in a paddock soon. Nikki Daly, thanks for joining us on the Motormouth podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great to chat to you. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.